You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou So it doesn't distract you as I'm preaching. Um, your, your bulletin said 13th chapter, I said 11th chapter, because it was a typo was in the bulletin. I wanted to get it right when I, at least when I announced it. So it's not just, my brain is not still on vacation. <laughs> so... Um, it's interesting teaching confirmation over the years. I've, I've done it for over 20 years now. And um, fascinating, the questions that are asked. One of the most common questions that gets asked is, what happens to the prayers of non-Christians when they're offered? And um, Christians have come up with different answers to that question based on Scripture. The Scripture actually has a fair amount of, of diversity in, in its talk about this. Um, but some of the things that kids have thought over years have been like, you know, maybe the demons are listening and the demons answer the questions uh, or answer the prayers. Maybe God is so good that He answers the prayers anyway, even though they're not offered in, to the right God or, or whatever. Um, and one kid said it was like the dead letter office, at the post office. They just kind of go and, you know, they just don't go anywhere. Um, Scripture had a couple of answers to this. Um, In one sense, there is no one else to whom the prayers can arrive except the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 8.4 says, uh, Paul's talking about uh, eating food that's been offered to an idol, and he says, um, we know that an idol has no real existence, and that there is no God but one. So there's really no other God to which the prayers could arrive. Um, But later on in the same letter, he's talking about... um, uh, what goes on in chapter 10 and he says no he says I imply that what pagans sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God I do not want you to be participants with demons so there is a sense in which the forces opposed to God are paying attention and listening in um, it doesn't exactly say that the demons offer, answer the prayers but they're paying attention and manipulating those who pray so But whatever happens to the prayers of those who pray outside the Christian faith, we have Jesus' words in John 14, 6, that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but by Him. So that if God answers prayers offered by non-Christians, He is still answering them through Jesus Christ. It is Jesus alone who is our way to reach the Father. And this is why when Christians pray, we don't begin by speculating about what might happen to our prayers if we don't offer them through Jesus, but instead we give thanks that God has revealed Himself in Jesus. That when we, in Jesus' words, when we see the Son, we have seen the Father. We give thanks that we have the hope of the resurrection to lift us up 
And so we begin by often reminding ourselves of who it is to whom we pray. Because in, God, in Jesus, God is not the force. He is the face. In the face of Christ, we see God. And so we begin by offering ourselves a reminder of who, to whom we pray. Last week when I was on vacation, I worshipped with a church we're developing a relationship with down in Bethlehem called Bethlehem Community Fellowship. They are a group of Pentecostal Mennonites. Didn't know such a thing existed, but I had a great time worshipping with them. Uh, a lively two and a half hour worship. So don't please don't say my sermons are too long anymore. <laughs> um, but we had fun together. Well, in their context, the reminding themselves of to whom they speak usually begins with a lot of prayers begin with this phrase: "Lord, we just wanna." Lord, we just wanted this. We just wanted that. But they would remind themselves of God's name a lot of times by saying it was a healing service. It was focused on healing. And so there was talk of he's here as Jehovah Rapha, the healing God. El Shaddai, God Almighty, the Lamb of God who sacrificed for our sins. You know, the great physician who's here to heal us. Reminding themselves of whom it is to whom they offer their prayer and praise that day. Um, in a more high church context, which is more typical for Lutherans, you might see someone follow Luther's injunction in the small catechism and make the sign of the cross and say in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, remembering the God who has claimed you in baptism, who has called you into a relationship with Himself. And in doing that, we remind ourselves to whom we pray we begin, we can do it like we've been doing in our sermon series this month with using the acronym ACTS. So you name the God to whom you're praying and in doing so, you adore Him because you're remembering who He is. Some people will substitute um, the letter for the letter A, adore, they'll substitute acclaim. Because if you ask me about my wife, I can not only tell you I adore her, but I can tell you a lot about her. <laughs> okay? So we remember the things about God, that He is almighty, that He is powerful, that He is merciful, that He is loving. We name God in that way, and we acclaim Him so. And if you remember our acronym, A-C-T-S, Acts, then we confess our sins. We confess our sins. Because... Our sins are what separate us from God. And in prayer, we want to be as intimate with God as we can. So we purposefully take what is in our way and we set it aside. We give it away to God. So that peace can come into us. And we can come before the Lord as naked and unashamed as Adam and Eve were before the fall. Offering ourselves to God with not holding, withholding nothing at all. Because we've gotten anything that would obstruct our relationship with Him out of the way. And then we give thanks for all that God has done for us. Beginning at the cross. And the cross would be enough. If God did nothing else for us ever, that He should sacrifice Himself, shed His own blood, and endure the shame of being put to death as a criminal, that we might have a relationship with Him. If God gave us nothing else, that would be enough. But as our whole nation celebrated on Thursday, God gives us so much more. There's not a person 
who can't think of something that God has given them, even if it's just this morning, the breath in our bodies that allows us to rise and serve Him one more day, allows us to rise and show love to the people around us. So we, we acclaim Him, we adore Him, we confess our sins, we thank Him, and then finally we get to the S in, the book of, in this acronym Acts, supplication. Then, remembering to whom we pray and having given Him thanks and confessed our sins, then we ask our petitions. As human beings, fallen human beings, broken creatures, we tend to get it exactly upside down. We're ask, 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 and who am I talking to? We remember to whom we pray and we give thanks that we know Him. As we offer up the smallest of prayers, things that would seem insignificant. Because he told us in the prayer that he modeled for us that we can ask God even for our daily bread. There is no petition too small to be beneath God's notice. And as he reminded us in today's reading, no petition too large that he cannot grant it. We offer our supplication to God knowing the character of God. And that is what makes Christian prayer so distinctive. It's offered to and through Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, we know the character of God because we know He will go to the cross for the sake of restoring a rebel to relationship with Him. His love is so great, it can set aside any sin that we're willing to let go of. It makes no sense at all to ask favors of someone who is cruel because they will simply enjoy your asking and then crushing your hopes. But knowing the God of the cross enables us to boldly go to Him trusting in His never-failing love with every petition we offer. I heard a story about that, about knowing to whom we pray. In a sense, it connects. There was a very uh, wealthy man in a city. Um, he had earned a lot of money, risen up from the bottom uh, of society, worked his way up hard, had used his money in wonderful ways, had helped build the infrastructure of the city in which he lived, um, had built, for those who were less fortunate, job retraining centers and places people could go if they were without resource um, so that there was a way up the same ladder of success he had climbed for everyone. And part of what had inspired him to do this was that he had a special needs son who had severe medical, uh, mental difficulties. Um, and he knew how hard it would be for some people. So he had given tremendous amounts of money to build up the community in which he lived. But he also had a hobby on the side. And his hobby uh, was to collect art. And he had the money to do it well. He collected amazing pieces of art by some of the greatest artists that the human race has produced. And his private collection, he left open so people could come through it and see it. And it was an amazing collection, rivaling some, of, rivaling some of the greatest museums in the world. When he passed away, 
all of his art was to be auctioned off publicly. And people came in from all over. They came in from all over the world to bid on these priceless bids, bits of art. And they had a big open house where people were walking around and looking at all of the art. And everybody was beginning to tag out the one that they, if I can only get one, here's the one I'm going to get. When in the midst of that crowd of tremendously wealthy people, well-dressed, was a man in plain dress who had come to the gala because he'd been one of those people in the streets of the city who the gentleman had helped without knowing. He'd been homeless. He'd taken advantage of the work centers and the help centers and built some job training and finally got himself into a career and had a small apartment. And he wasn't poorly dressed, but he was not wealthy like those gathered to, to buy those paintings. And uh, as he looked at the paintings, he went from painting to painting, and the man had not just collected great works of art, he, he created, he, sorry, he had collected noble works of art. Arts, art that when you looked upon it, your heart would rise, and your spirits would come up, and you, you would feel more ready to face the world. And as he looked at this art, and thought about what it spoke about the heart of the man whom, from whom he had benefited, this man thought, I, I can't possibly afford one of these, but I need something. I need something to remember this man's generosity as, a, as an inspiration to my own life. Well, finally, the auction was begun, and the auctioneer stood at the stand, and uh, he, the first thing he held up was a simple drawing. It was a drawing on a simple piece of typewriter paper, crayons, a bit baffling what it actually was. It was a drawing by the rich man's son. And the man, the auctioneer, stood up and held up the piece of paper and says, Who will give me $5,000? $5,000 for this drawing. There was a little bit of a titter in the room. Well, how about a thousand? Who will give me a thousand dollars for this drawing? And silence. Come on, a hundred dollars. A hundred dollars is not too much to ask for a bit of art from the man we've come to honor this night. And still nothing. And finally said, five. Who will give me five dollars for this piece of art? And the man who'd been wandering in the plain clothes raised his hand and says, I can, I can do five. Sold. Boom. The auction is closed at this time. And the crowd roared. And what? What's going on? It was in the will that whoever bought the picture done by his son gets the entire collection. When we have the work of the Son, we have all the works of the Father. We give thanks this day for the character of a God who will go to the cross for the sake of our salvation and is now enthroned as King and will come again to judge the living and the dead. It's the character of that God that we give thanks for and it is that God to whom we pray. Will you join me for a word of prayer now?
Gracious, good, and heavenly God, almighty Lord and King, we thank you that we do not have to guess to whom we address our prayers, but rather that you have revealed yourself to us. You have become one of us in your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for his ministry to us, his words of wisdom, and especially his sacrifice upon the cross. Now that we know who you are, Lord, let us not fail to entrust everything to you, adoring you as you deserve, acclaiming you to the world, confessing all that stands between us and you so you may set it aside, thanking you for what you have done and offering every detail of our lives, however great or small, to you. For you alone are the lover of our souls and can be trusted with these things. We ask this in the precious and mighty name of our great King and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. My vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me save that thou art. Be thou my best. Love.